0: Galatians chapter 6, and so as you're turning there and standing, well, half of you were standing and half of you weren't, so we'll read one verse, how's that? (laughs) Because I'm going to, Lord willing, God willing, uh, this evening we're going to start in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, and I'll preach through uh, to the end of the chapter, and this will be the end of Galatians. Unless you go back and read it on your own, and you can you can rejoice later. So, uh, Galatians chapter six. Let's just read verse eleven, and then we'll just kind of get into it. Galatians chapter six, verse eleven says, "You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand." Amen, brother Ernie. Take us to the Lord, please.
1: <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you again tonight, Thank you for placing the Word of God. Father, thank you, Father, for the promise from the Word of God. Lord, we ask you, Father, that you would be with Brother Russell tonight. Father, we pray that you anoint him. Lord, give him liberty to preach and to teach whatever you have him to do. And Father, we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, breathe on your Word and breathe on your man. Father, we pray that you use him for your honor and your glory. Yes. Father, help us, Lord Jesus, that we might be the servant. That we need to be, Father, for this jubilee. And Lord, we do thank you, Father, for you working the way you're working on the building and yeah. the way you have orchestrated everything and how you have provided. And Father, thank you for all the all our brothers and sisters that uh, came out today and, and done work. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would uh, bless them, Lord Jesus. And Father, may we be a help, like Brother Lance said, to yeah. them to encourage somebody Lord, that need to be encouraged. Mm-hmm. Lord, we ask that you be with our preacher tonight. Mm-hmm. Use him once again. Yeah. Lord, we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: You seated, please. So, we've been going through the book of Galatians, and it's been said in the past that uh, Galatians is a match meet to Romans, whereas Romans is uh, salvation by faith and justification and And Galatians is the understanding that you can't lose your salvation, and thank God for that. And and so Paul takes, uh, Paul's a great writer, and he takes his time with the introduction and the body and then the Lord help, then the reproof, and then uh, the rebuke, and then eventually filtered in there, salted in there is the exhortation somewhere. And I guess that's kind of how we should be. Uh, just just salt it. our speech should just be with salt, right? It should sting a little, but it should edify, and it should help, and it should cleanse. But where I, would, I want to go with that is, so Paul, he wants to make a comment, he wants to make it known that it's salvation through faith, through grace, plus nothing. And he's had an issue in Galatia so far with people trying to come in, and they're trying to introduce these works to these Jews, and they're trying to get these Jews to see it that it go back under the, uh, the judicial law, if you will. And, and so I just want to kind of catch you up if you weren't here for the three years past we've been working on this and uh, start off in verse 11. And verse 11, you know what, before I start there, I do have an outline, okay? Amen. For all you Bible students, I have an outline that I'm probably not going to follow, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now for whatever reason. Uh, so verse 11, verse 11, it's Paul's D. We're going to go with the D, and we're going to keep kind of going with Preacher where he left off on Sunday. He was in the D Sunday, right? Remember that? The dry and... Amen. Don't say that. Okay. So verse 11 there, it says it's Paul's declaration of the authorship and the details of how, and the details of how he saw it. And then in verses 12 and 13... Verses 12 and 13, it's the desire of others, the desires of others to glory, to glory in your flesh. And then in verses 14, it's the dying of self. The dying of self. Verse 15 and 16, it's the distinction, the distinction of the new man, of the new man. And then verse 17 and 18 is where we'll culminate the end of this thing, God will, in verse 17 and 18, it's the damage of the body, due to the ministry, and how to handle it. The damage to the body, due to the ministry, and how to handle it. That's something to look forward to on that one, right? Amen. Amen. All right, verse 11. Verse 11, we'll do a little bit of teaching, and then the Lord gets in it, we'll do some preaching. Verse 11, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with mine own hand... Well, obviously Galatians, the book of Galatians doesn't have but six chapters, so we wouldn't think that he's referring to the length of it. Does that make common practical sense? Hopefully, because he's written a few, a few epistles, and 1 Corinthians has you know, 15, 16, 2 Corinthians has about the same in it. And you think about that, the, the understanding, he would it should have said if he meant the length of it, you see how long a letter. And so anyway, the, the reference probably is what he's referring to as he's having his eyesight issues and he's going through, the, going through some things and he's, uh, he's referring back to the Galatians and he's making a... Because he always bounces back and forth, kind of like a preacher does. He just goes back and reiterates what he's always said. Because we're just like sheep and we learn by repetition. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that's how my son learns. Amen, buddy? By repetition. That's how I learned too, so it's okay. And so he made the comment back in Galatians chapter 2 that the, that the Galatians would have just given, given him their eyes if they could. And I thought about that while Brother Lance was up here and he was talking about the things and how, the, how we should have the, different, the right attitude toward the people coming and the willingness and the want to, to and the desire to see those people just uh, to keep going, to keep pressing toward that mark. And in, that, in the sense there in Galatia, I was thinking that same thing, that's kind of how we should be as a church. Don't raise your hands, but if you have problems and difficulties, don't you need a little help every once in a while? Amen. And Paul says here, he said, my eyesight was going so bad, these people here loved me so much and wanted to see me keep going and press toward that mark and let me finish and help me and encourage me because it's not, it's not discouraging at all when you lose your glasses, is it? Yeah, to the five of you who's wearing glasses in here. It's, not, it's like I just can't see where I put my glasses. It's kind of funny, you know, I can't see where, anyway, whatever. And so Paul, he's like, you know, I, these people just love me and the desire for me to finish, uh, they had that mentality and mindset and desire to just give me whatever it took to get me proverbially down the road. Amen. Verse 12. 12. And it says, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh." And so these people, they're they're uh, these Jews here. They're coming in and they're trying to get them to go back under the law, and they try to get them to understand they're misunderstanding that it's all external, it's all how you look, it's all how you function, how you it's all you look good on the outside. They had a brother tonight. He says he said, uh, "Are you preaching tonight?" And I said, "Well, that's what they say." He said, "Well, you you looked apart." I said, "Well, only on the outside, probably," being kind of tongue in cheek, right? You know and because most of you look nice in here to an evening. Most of you do. And just trying to keep my eyes over here, not over here anyway. And pray, it's good to laugh in church, right? The three of you that's not laugh. And so, but it's that external conformity of if I can make you this, uh, What it is, what it does is you're able to stand here and say, look what I have produced. Look of how I've told them to dress and how I've told him to act and how I've told him to talk and how I and I and I and I have done. And you say, well, God gets the glory. No, this person over here gets the glory in God's eyes. You know, I love coming to this church and how a preacher preaches those hard messages on self and uses this Bible as a mirror and the Lord Jesus Christ as a mirror and we can see plainly that we aren't who we're supposed to be usually. Amen. And in doing so, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is exalted, and man or me is is uh, is put low in our proper place. Amen. But ultimately, it's how we see Him, and do our through our love and our desire and potential, our dedication. It should have an outward experience or an outward manifestation, yes. like baptism of what's transpiring on the inside. Amen. I mean, it should. And if it doesn't, you ought to check something. You ought to check something, whether it's time or whatever, whatever's going on, there ought to be some kind of growth in your own eyes, in your own mind. And I understand that we're our own worst critic and our own worst enemy, and you look in the mirror and you're like, man, I'm no different than I was a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. Well, ask the person sitting across from you, see if they can tell a difference. Amen. Well, ask your spouse or ask your parents or ask someone that doesn't have the critical spirit that you do toward self. Why don't you ask the Lord if He can see a difference? Amen. But I'm going to give you some verses before I move on. I just want to give you some verses on these people here because in verse 12 and verse 13, these people have this external uh, discipline so they get the glory. And Here's you just a handful of verses. I, I don't want to belabor the point. In 1 Corinthians 3.21 it says, no, Let no man glory in men. In 1 Corinthians 5, 6, it says Yours glorying is not good know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And then in 2 Corinthians 5:12 it says there are people who glory in the appearance and not in the heart. That's a good one. That's a good one. 2 Corinthians 5:12 but did you realize the three verses that that shows up in the most is in the most carnal church in Corinthians? They're the most spiritually gifted and the most carnal church in the whole New Testament. They're so concerned with the external and they're so concerned with how I look and how I appear and and what 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 outward show I'm making for others to see. Man, praise the Lord, you ought to have a testimony where a younger brother or sister doesn't fall because of your, your actions or your attitudes. There, there ought to be some type of I can do this, but I shouldn't do this attitude mentality. Amen? Amen. Amen. There, there should be some, some standard with self that you're not going to go over this hill. I had a guy who was working last week and we were talking about some off the wall doctrine, and he said, What do you believe? And I told him what I believed, and I said, Here's the Bible verses to back it up. And he said, Okay. I said, But I'm not going to die at the stake for that. He said, What does that even mean? I said, well, if you held a gun to my head, I would say that I'm not 100% sure it wasn't salvation. I said, but there are some that I will die for. And I don't think he had ever heard that in his life. And he said, there are some things that you believe that you'll die for? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. You don't believe that uh, you wouldn't die for the way of salvation? You wouldn't, you wouldn't just risk your life? He said, I don't guess anybody's ever asked me that. I said, well, ponder it. You don't have to give me an answer. Just... Tell yourself what you think. You know, salvation through grace plus nothing. That's what I believe. That's what I'm willing to die for. And I just thought it was interesting that he had never been asked or the pressure had never been applied for him to give an answer like that. And in verse 12 and 13, of those people glorying in your flesh, Paul qualifies what the answer is. Look in verse 15. He qualifies what the answer is. He says, in, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, amen, but a new creature. Amen. You see in verse 15, I, like, I love the, the verbiage in the Bible. It says, for in, Christ, in Christ Jesus. So there has to be a qualification. You have to be in Christ for something to matter. Amen. Amen. You have to be in Christ. You've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. But it says, neither circumcision availeth. I had to look that one up. Uh, it benefits, it helps, it's, it, uh, it makes it worthwhile. So you can do a lot of things externally, but it's worth nothing. You have no benefit. I like that over in Psalms where it says, He loadeth us daily with His benefits. And I've tried to list them all before and I just run out of time of the benefits daily that He loads me with. And you think about that thing here, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but a new creature in Christ. And I'm not even going to start preaching on all that just yet because I want to back up to it. But he said, You know, if you want something, if you want a benefit, if you want something to avail you, all your outward conformity and all your legalistic standards and all the things that you have an outward show for that you're trying to get glory for self and not point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't help you at all. It doesn't, it, there's no benefit. It doesn't avail anything. But you know what avails something? Letting something on the inside work its way out because you're in Christ and you're a new creature. But look back up in verse 14 before I get too bent out of shape on that. It says, verse 14, "...but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world." In verse 14, He's he's showing that there's a cross to bear. And you all know that, right? But in verse thirteen, there's three crosses. There's three crosses. Excuse me. In verse fourteen, you have the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that. In Luke, Calvary only shows up just one time in the Bible. I mean, you only need to go there once for salvation. Amen. Man, I just love. I got that. That's just simple. Amen. But I just, uh, I'm pretty simple, and I like simple. And I love how the Lord just qualifies that thing. And I looked up in a few of other Bibles, and I like how that's not even in there. You said you like that. Yeah, you know that way when they're singing a hymn book about Calvary, they don't even know what they're talking about. It's not even in their Bible. Amen. I know that sounds silly. Why would you sing a song about something that's not even in your Bible? Amen. Verse 14, it says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, The only reason that I should get some glory... Is because when I look at Calvary and what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me and those nails that he took, and just, and he never got down because he loved the Father and loved me, and he was just going to be obedient, and uh, he was just going to be obedient unto the death, knowing that was his end. And he never was going to get down, even though, even though we don't know all exactly what happened that day. And you have Satan there telling him one thing, and the bulls of Bashan gnashing on him, and it's just a constant physical and emotional torture but he just set his face like a flint to be that example for us. Now friend, I don't have that example nailed down in a personal walk per se, but I have something I can look at on a regular basis. And it stirs me up when I do those studies and I look at that thing of the dedication and the duration that the Lord had on Calvary's cross, regardless of the physical pain, the emotional pain that all had left and forsook him, except just a handful of folks that said they loved him but weren't going to speak out of what was going on. They never spoke out against what was going on. But they were there. Have you ever heard that, you know, if you don't say anything, that just kind of shows you're complicit? But they were there. regardless, it's a constant pattern that I could look at when I think I may have something hard going on. And I can look at that regardless of the physical pain and the emotional and the spiritual. He never faltered. Never faltered. Never planned on faltering. I love how he never had a backup plan. Amen. He never had a plan B if this doesn't work. Amen. Like This is going to work because I'm all in. I'm, I'm all in. It doesn't matter. And in verse 14, you not only see the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ... It, Paul said his glory is in it, but it also says by whom the world is crucified. You see in that verse that there's a cross that the world is nailed to. That it has no more pull, it has no more use or affection. The things of it are nailed to a cross that you can just look at and be like all the people and mock and jeer and wag their head at. Like it doesn't have any allure to me. Not right this second it doesn't. Amen, because I'm in church. Thank God I'm I'm getting preached to and I'm preaching. And then you have that, then you wake up and you say, All right, Lord, today is going to be the day. I am going to do something for you steadfastly. Bless the God. If you'll give me the grace and the strength, I'm not going to mess up today. In the next 10 minutes, I got this. And then the 11th minute rolls around. And it seems like the world gets off the stinking cross. It's just because we let Him off. We let it off. And those, all the things of it, because of people and persecution of the places we go and the senses that we have, and God help, man. I'll be glad when all that's cured. But nonetheless, it's that, that thing that Paul says, I don't glory necessarily in the cross being crucified, the, the world being crucified. You can put that in there. Because Paul says, I die daily. I die daily. It doesn't have an allure to me anymore. And we're getting to that in a moment. But he says it's that cross of the world's nailed to that every morning when you wake up and maybe even before you open your eyes and you just nail it back up there. Because in your dreams it got down. In my dreams it gets down. I even had a decent dream the other night. Told my wife about it. It was something silly. Something stupid. And I told her, and I told her about it. She's like, well, I don't even know what that means. I was like, well, I don't either, but I had fun. I was watching some critters in the backyard running. I don't even know who, whose yard I was in. I was assuming it was mine. That's how my dreams go. I'll just show up in your backyard. <laughs> and you say, what, what happened? Well, I just wanted to kill them. You say, well, that, that's, that's. Yeah, I know that's just me. I just wanted to kill them. Amen. That's what they're there for, to eat. Anyway, <laughs> and so you wake up every day and you wake up and that, and that cross that the world is supposed to be nailed to, you can check it. Just check it. You can see it from a distance. Can't you see Calvary with the Lord Jesus Christ on from a distance? You can check the one where the, the world is supposed to be from a distance. See if it's still there. Then in verse 14, it goes on to say, From the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. That Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It's that self-denial. It's that making sure that you're dead. You take up that cross and you fasten yourself to it. And you start out your day. You say, well that's hard. No, that's just not pleasant. The Lord... Jesus Christ had a perfect pattern. You know what I marvel at sometimes is that the Lord's walking and He's, and he's been beaten and He's been battered and He's bleeding. That's a bunch of bees. And, he, and He's walking out that thing and He's carrying that cross and somebody has to help Him take that thing to Calvary. And you know what He never says? Don't help. Our Lord and Savior allowed somebody, some just average person, to help Him alone the day that he needed to be helped alone. But we think we have to do everything by ourselves. I don't know if you've checked it lately. Look around. There's a few people here. There's all kind of people in here to help you. As Brother Lance already preached, and I won't redo it, uh, the the Jubilee gives us a great opportunity to look at some people who are stumbling, who are having a hard time making up that heel carrying it, and they may drop it at the Jubilee. And you have a great opportunity to pick it up and say, I'll carry it for you a little bit. Amen. Man, I'll just get you through the day. Just get you, I'll just get you where you're going today. And you say, well, that's not much. No, but it made it in that book. Amen. And it'll be recounted at that judgment seat. Amen. Amen. You think about that. It's a little thing. Apparently, he was strong enough to carry it. Would you agree with that? It doesn't even say that he, it doesn't say that he said no, thought about it, pondered, shuddered at the weight of it. He gladly just picked it up and took it where it had to go. And you said, but did you think he knew what was going to happen? Yep. Yep. Sometimes you can see the outcome of a person's specific situation. Yep. It's on you just to help them the best you can, but not to change it. Because it's their cross to carry. Does that make sense? Looking, look in verse fifteen. Because I'm going to back up and jump into this. And this, those crosses in verse fourteen there of of the the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ of that pattern. And we see how the world is crucified not only to to him but to us. And then I and then us into the world. For in verse 15 it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision, circumcision excuse me availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And we think about those things. We think about verse 14, about the Lord Jesus Christ being crucified on Calvary and the, the world being crucified and then us being crucified. And we think about, man, do you realize the struggle and the strain and the pressure just to get here tonight? Amen. I've got an idea. Uh, I had a guy text... And he was talking about the jubilee coming up. And he said, you know, because of the jubilee, I think we've been catching it. And he didn't go into great detail. And I said, well, praise the Lord, man. Just know that you're probably not alone. You know, why go into something of what everybody else is going through personally or anybody else? Just say, hey, brother, you know that storm that you were in and all the other little boats around it? There's a bunch of people going through the same storm. And everybody made it. Everybody made it. I love that that account that Brother Lance had. All the the different accounts of all the different ships and every different thing. Nobody quit. The disciples didn't quit. The little ships didn't quit. You ever thought about that? The little ships never quit? Anyway, whatever. Don't think about it. It's okay. But here here in the verse, in verse 15, it says, "...but a new creature." Something ought to stir you up just a little bit, even on a Wednesday. I'm not going to try to get some illicit thing worked up, uh, but I want to give you a list of 15 things that became new at salvation. Man, you got a new family. I I don't even know if you had a good or bad family growing up. Amen. Regardless, you got a new one. Amen. 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 Lord help. You got a new family. You got a new home. You got a new country. You know, you don't have to ever worry about the, the president or the king doing something that's not right there. Amen. Amen. You got a new spirit. Amen. You got a new heart. It just loves things that you used to hate and couldn't stand being around. Man, you, get a new, you got a new mind. You, get, you know how to think about some things. And thank God this book can open up to you now. And you can think on things. And you, Anyway, uh, you, get a, you got a new mind. You'll get a new body. Thank God. Amen. You get a new body and you'll get a new robe and a new garment and you're like, this is some of the best I've got, Brother Mitch. Amen. You think about this one day, I'll get a sure enough nice one. Amen. But it'll be nice. Amen. I won't have to get that one from men's warehouse or hand me down. <laughs> Amen. You get a new way or a new newness of life. And that old that old way and that... Uh, that worldly way of just making it through day, trying to collect up money and store up things for yourself. and like the, the, like, the old, like the man over in Luke, and he just says, I'm going to build bigger barns for self, for me, for me, for me. And now, we, we are in here on a Wednesday night. Don't raise your hand if you're sleepy, but semi-tired. Had a semi-long day. Amen. You know, had a few things go wrong. Amen. But hey, you're still here. Thank God. Amen. You're still here because it's that new way. It's that new newness of life. Of like, now I've got something to somebody to serve and something to do, and I got somebody who loves me, and I'm looking for that long home. I've got something now. I guess I lied. I am going to get jacked up on that. You got a new covenant. You got a new man in you. Amen. And that ought to get at least one amen from a woman. Amen. 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 Thinking about all the pumpkin heads out here that worthless. Nah. They won't work for a living. They won't do nothing. They just won't even show up. Yeah. Man, you got a man that'll love you and he'll always be there. Amen. He is the perfect man. Oh, yeah, man. You don't have to worry about him. Never mind picking up his socks whatever. You got new peace you got that peace that passeth all understanding. You say, well, all the hardships and all the pains and all the things that we're going through, somehow I still have some inward peace. Whereas when I was lost, I'd be wringing my hands and wondering how to get out of it and take care of it and do those things, who to call, who to get me out of a jam. Now it's, I've already got somebody. Man, through prayer, I can come boldly to the throne of God and I can just tell Him because I've got a good Father and I've got all those things and He can just give me a peace that I've never had before. Amen. And you can have joy, new joy, a new comfort and mercies that are new every day. Amen. And you think about that thing and I think about those men that I'm witnessing to and they're all that old way of storing up things for self, and then when a little bit of hiccup in the road comes, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle it. But they don't want to handle it by turning to Christ. And they can just suck it up and just try to be the man and play the part. I know a little bit about that in my past, but thank God that one day the Lord brought me to an end of self. And I didn't even know I got all those things. Man, what an, amazing, what an amazing God we serve. Amen, amen, amen. Look in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 6. Let's move it on. It said, as many as walk according to this rule. What rule? Oh, you got to be in, in Christ. According to this rule, there's it is. Peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now that Israel of God is not some replacement theology that some people run off in the deep end in. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but here in the book of Galatians, you know that there's people trying to subvert and, uh, and trying to lie to people and tell them they have to go back under the law and do this external conformity to the law. Well, you have, you have people that are Jews that are saved. Amen. Thank God for them. Amen. And you got people that are Jews that are lost. Amen. And you got the God of Israel, excuse me, the Israel of God, and that's a saved Jew. Amen? Yes. You think about that for a second. What God thinks of a saved Jew. How about not necessarily in America? How about in Israel? I'm not going to stay on this very long. But you think about it. I mean, that's from, that's, that's from the, my people. That's the people I love in a place that I chose now, that person didn't have a choice to be born that way. Do you agree with that? He had as much choice as you had to be born American. Amen. I Thank God I'm born an American. But think, think about that. You're a Jew. You get born again. You get a hold of this book. And you read that Old Testament. And you, then you read that New Testament of all the things you get physically and spiritually. That ought to do something for you. Amen. Moving on, told you we was not gonna stay long. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, From henceforth, let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So it's interesting how Paul almost ends this thing. That he talks about those marks in his body. You say, What would be the significance here? Well, so far they've been talking about that you have to be circumcised, you have to have this external conformity to show that you're to show that you're saved, or show that you're somebody, or show that you're spiritual. And Paul says, don't, tr- don't trouble me with that. You want to see something external? Here, let me pull my robe to the side just a little bit. Can you see in the back right here? I've got some things. I've got some things that I can glory in that I had to go through. Excuse me, that I, got to get, that I get to go through. Yeah. And I'm reminded of it. Every time I try to put on my robe and the, and the, and the skin doesn't stretch just right. And all yours is hid and covered. And you, to, and you have to make an outward show. And I want to cover my outward show up. I want you to think about that for a second. As a young man, do we have any young men in here? Apparently none. Okay. <laughs> my son raised his hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. There you go, buddy. As a young, as a young man, are, are not scars cool? I got one guy. Yes. Amen. Well, he says no, amen. Oh, I'm for you because it hurt. Here's a stupid story. I was lost. We was working with this guy, and he reached around and he accidentally touched a piece of metal and burned him. It was a weird-looking, kind of like a dragon almost. He's like, ah. Oh. I was like, man, does that hurt? He said, yes. And he went around and stuck this arm to it. He said, now I've got matching scars. I said, you're shot out, dude. What's wrong with you? He's like, well, that'd be a great story. I said, of your stupidity. Man, you're something's wrong with you guy. I know that, I know him, still know him. He's still like that. And you say, well, what is that? Well, that's oftentimes a young man wants to brag on his scars he's done by doing something foolish. Right. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Come on, you can nod to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you think about that, you think, I've got one or two on me and when I was younger, I would, like to talk, I would like to tell the story how I got it because it was just stupid. Right? I, man, I was doing this. I got something to show for it. Let me show you. Right. But now I'm like, man, that's so stupid. I ain't telling nobody about that. Because <laughs> I've got a couple of them. Probably more than I want to count. Because I was stupid. But Paul has a different perspective. Maybe he doesn't even want to cover him up, because he's in Second. Excuse me, in uh, yes, yeah, Second Corinthians verse uh, chapter uh, eleven, he goes to that litany of things that he's done. See, maybe I have it backwards. Maybe his personal perspective it wasn't foolish at all that he gets to glory in his tribulation. He's like, look what the Lord allowed me to do. Amen. But here I was, where I want to make a point. See, Paul's perspective was, I get to take these thirty-nine stripes. Physically for my Lord and Savior. There'll be some people show up over there that don't have physical scars like that. But they'll have some scars on their heart. That nobody will ever see except in their attitude and their speech. And maybe their countenance. And they'll try to mask it and hide it because they're they're just bitter and they're upset that they had to deal with it. Paul gloried in it. Because it's all in perspective. It's in perspective. See, the Lord, all those scars I was telling you about, and only the Lord allowed me the opportunity one day to preach a message on scars of the heart. And then I was able to use those scars that I have as an illustration an outward manifestation of what transpired inside. And there'll be some people here that show up that they'll try to hide it, they'll put on a good face. Amen. If you've never put on a good face, you're a liar of the pain that you're going through, not externally per se, but going through things and going through heartaches and pains and sufferings and hurt, and you're going through it. And when you're going through it, you probably don't have the right perspective because you're going through it. I think about that when Paul wrote these light afflictions. 20 years after going through something, it doesn't seem that bad. Right? While you're going through it, sometimes it feels like the end of the world because the weight and the pressure is just being applied so hard that you don't think you can bear it or even breathe sometimes. And then the Lord just gives the grace to get through it. And then you look back and you say, man, it was... I can breathe. You did give me the mercy and the grace to get through it. Lord, I guess it really was light. But he only says that after the fact. And there'll be some people that show up that are going through it. And they're going through some things that they don't think Light. Paul went through those things, and I'm not, I don't know his perspective when he was going through it. The only opportunity I have to see that is Acts 27, and I can see one mistake is it of perspective. That's it. And I think about those things, and I think as the Lord allows us to grow and allows you to grow physically and spiritually, that your perspective on things and trials and tribulations. They they change and they're allowed you to see things from a different view. Would you agree with that? Amen. And those things are still are still hard. Amen. I don't know it it doesn't matter if you're saved, pain still hurts. A right. broken anything still doesn't feel great. Amen. But you're still saved. Amen. You still gotta go through the rehab. You still have to go through the same things. You still have to go through the same routines that bring discomfort and they bring pain and they bring agony and they it, it's not enjoyable however as you grow you, can, you should be able to be able to ask the lord can you show me something from this yeah. man this is terrible i don't I, this is I, I just don't know if i can handle it i know i'm going to handle it based on what you're giving me and what i've read and i believe it and i know it and i see it And I've got examples and I see people. I get it, Lord. But I don't get it. And he shows you something out of that book. He's like, "I okay, personally. Not about somebody, not about Brother Mitch. Amen. Not about Brother Brad. Not about anybody else, but about self. And that thing becomes so personal again. And those tears maybe fall and you say, I thought you'd forgot, Lord. I just thought you would... I was going through this by myself. See, that's what those people are going to think of. Not everybody, obviously. But you'll have some people think, I'm just by myself in a crowd of people. I always thought that when the Lord Jesus Christ was walking through those crowds and the media was thronging Him, that he probably felt lonely. Because nobody knew what he knew inside. Like nobody could relate. Yeah. They could be there. They were literally physically there. But just how he was just lonely. And in his loneliness, when he pulled up in John chapter 4 to that well, he knew how to deal with loneliness with somebody else that was lonely. Maybe that's just me. Here in verse 17, it says, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. It says, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now I want you to look at something. In verse 16, it says, Many as walk according to His rule, peace, and then mercy, and then verse 18 is grace. You know pastoral epistles, as Paul writes, those three things always show up. Grace, peace, and mercy. But all the way from Romans and two of those epistles, it's just grace and mercy. You say, I wonder why that is. Well, sometimes a preacher can hurt you. Just get up in the flesh and say something. Amen. And you're already wearing your emotions on your sleeve. I didn't get an amen at all on that one. Because nobody does that. So he says something, and you get all puffed up because your pride got thumped. And that one thing that we're supposed to be able to give the man behind the pulpit, thank God for a pastor, is some peace, some mercy, and some grace. Because he's just a man. You know those men that walk over there is going to be from a hundred and something churches? They're just men trying to do the best they can. Making a mess of it. Because they're just men. Literally doing the best they can. You say, well, I, I don't agree with that. Amen. Well, I'm up here and you're not. And I know what it takes to put something together and then when you say it, you can't catch it. At youth camp, Brother Sam... I don't know if he's done this, at a youth camp, excuse me, I guess I did this, because it'll be crazy, had a tube of toothpaste, and have you ever tried to put toothpaste back in the tube? Don't. Try that. It becomes quite messy. But it's the same principle. Once the toothpaste is out, all you can do is just worry about the mess, And even if you get it in back in there, it's going to be a bigger mess. It's pretty nasty. Anyway, you say, what is that? What is that?" Well, it's just people in general. The pulpit from the pew. Dealing with things and scars of the heart and bearing those things. And it all depends on your point of view of how you bear them. You can glory in those things because you've got to have something from the Lord Jesus Christ. He made His grace and He made His peace and He's made His mercies new one more time for you just to see or you can get bitter or you can get downtrodden and downcast and discouraged like I'm done I'm done I'm done with all of this I didn't sign up for it I was thinking about that when Brother Lance was preaching about the expectations I don't think I've ever been disappointed with expectations, Brother Lance, because I've never had any. Then when I got saved, like, okay, here we go. I'm just saved. I don't know what I'm doing. You say, well, don't people hurt you? Sure, they have. Yeah, a few of them, one or two. But I didn't expect them not to because they're just people. He's like, well, did you expect to do something great? Oh, no, because I know me. Does that make sense? And so the expectations I have are like, that's ah, whatever. Yeah. I expect the Lord to come back. Amen. You know what? That expectation won't ever, won't ever not be fulfilled. All my other expectations you read in Proverbs about the wicked people having their expectations and all that. That's what Paul. Paul, he said from the start, you know what I expected? Troubles and trials and tribulation. Look here, fellas. Praise the Lord, I got it. So now I can look at it from a point of view that I can glory in it. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. And as we're about to dismiss, I'd like to uh, just leave with a parting thought that even though that you're going through something, the most spiritual thing a person can do while going through something is bearing somebody else's burden. You don't necessarily can do it physically, obviously. But you can pray for them. Amen. Appreciate the prayers so far for the building and the meeting so far, but uh, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit.